Have you ever met someone who has such great energy that you just want to talk for hours? Well, that's how I felt when I recorded today's episode for you. Today on the show, I'm talking with Jessica Vallant, a physical therapist and a Pilates teacher at Jessica Vallant Pilates. And she's also a wife and mom of two and the creator of Momentum Fest, a three-day Pilates and movement festival founded in 2017 in order to create an inclusive, loving, and super fun place for everyone to celebrate movement together. Pretty awesome, right? Now, I bet, just like me, you're wondering how she does it all. Listen into our conversation today and hear all about her journey and mission to create a community where everyone is welcome and how she stays focused on what matters. Well, hi there. I'm Sarah Glanfield. I'm a business and marketing strategist just for boutique fitness studio owners like you. If you're ready to be inspired and make a bigger impact, you're in the right place. All you need are a few key strategies the right mindset, and some support along the way. Join me as I share the real-life insights that will help you grow a sustainable and profitable studio. This is the Pilates Business Podcast. So welcome back to the Spring 3 Pilates Business Podcast. I'm Saran, and I'm thrilled you're here again with me today. And I am even happier because I am joined by one of the most inspiring women that I have met on my journey in the Pilates world. Um, Jessica Vallant and I met around five years ago, and we really bonded over our, um, our shared love of movement and also a vision for developing a a inclusive community of movement professionals. Jessica is incredibly dedicated, driven, but also thoughtful and generous too. And that's why I love her. And I know that you're going to enjoy the conversation that we're going to have today. So to give you a little bit more background about um, Jessica and, and and what she has, how her career has developed, she received her master's degree in physical therapy in 2000 and received her Pilates training shortly thereafter in 2001. She's also a nationally certified Pilates teacher and a PMA approved continuing education provider. Um, She is for sure one of the most recognized and leaders in the Pilates industry. She has a very successful YouTube channel. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. And she also has a membership site and a blog. And she has been featured in many, many, many publications as an expert in her field. And she does continue to teach workshops and courses to other healthcare professionals and Pilates instructors and is an expert in the area of women's health, especially. Now, she really has worked with all sorts of clients with different backgrounds, ages, injuries, and abilities. Um, But she's not had an easy ride of it either when it comes to health and moving her own body. I'm sure we'll touch on that today. So she really knows exactly how it feels to deal with some pretty major bumps in the road when it comes to health. Um, Today, she juggles it all. And when I say she juggles it all, she really, really does. Um, And she lives in Denver um, with a very full family life with her two children and her husband. Um, And I've seen her juggle all of this for many years, but 
so, so gracefully. Um, so welcome, Jessica, to the podcast. I'm thrilled you're here. Thank you. And that was extremely nice. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you all, when she says juggle, it's like my three-year-old juggling where two might be in the air and then the third one is just falling to the ground and then another one rolls under the couch and then you just don't even know what's happening half the time. That's about yeah. how I balance it all like that. <laughs> That's right. Just keep moving forward. Yes. Just keep moving forward. Just as long keep as moving. you're holding one at all times, you can find the others and work it back in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 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 So there are so many things that I would really like to dive into today with you. But why don't we start with a little bit of background about how you got started and the journey that your career has taken, because there has been a lot of different things that you have achieved and and done in this world over the course of the last few years. Um, So why don't you tell us about how you kind of got started and where your Pilates and journey has really taken you? So I knew when I was 14 that I wanted to be a physical therapist. That part I knew. And I was lucky to know it. And I went straight to grad school. I graduated, I think, when I was 21 years old. And I went straight into kind of what typical job at the time. I was seeing 20 patients a day, working four 10-hour days. We had a quota to hit if we weren't hitting that quota every single If I wasn't seeing 20 people a day, I would get docked. And that was very typical. And I never wanted anything else. I mean, I came from a background of it's celebrated to have that nine-to-five job, to have benefits. All, I mean, I thought I had just reached the pinnacle and that I would just stay in that. You know, maybe I would be a manager at a physical therapy clinic at some point in my life. And within the first year, so this was the year 2000. And if you guys have been around for a long time, you know, that was a big year in the Pilates world. Like Madonna had just told everyone that she did it. So it was kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> and so our manager came in and said he owned a bunch of clinics and he said, we're bringing Pilates into all of our physical therapy clinics. Who wants to get trained? And I didn't know what it was, but I shot my hand up. I'm like, if you're paying for it, yep, another tool in my toolbox, great. And I remember probably like most people do the first moment I got on the reformer with feet in the straps. And I'm like, this is it. Like, this is it. I had played soccer my whole life. I thought my legs were strong and they were jello after. And I'm like, I'm hooked. So... It was just very serendipitous and really ended up guiding my entire career. So I'm extremely thankful for that when people say, oh, was it luck or skill? I'm like, I think it's just luck and then taking that opportunity when it presents yourself because that definitely was out of my hands, but I grabbed hold of it. Um, And so I just kind of worked my way through Denver helping people set up Pilates studios in their physical therapy clinics. I worked at a big gym. And so it really was a big transformation for me just on what a job might look like because I suddenly was in a commission area when I worked at the gym and I never thought I'd be commissioned. And then suddenly I was an independent contractor setting my own schedule, which was awesome. But then how do I get benefits? And So every time I said, oh, I'll never do that, it kind of was like, oh, wait, I guess I will. I guess I will. And then we moved to Hawaii and there was no, nowhere in Hawaii I could do both physical therapy and Pilates. And so we decided we should open it. That's my husband and I. So we opened our own clinics there and we were the only places in Hawaii you could do physical therapy and full on Pilates, taking classes and getting trained as a teacher So we had two locations and we did that forever. And then I did another thing I said I would never do, which is sell them. And so we ended up selling and we moved back to the mainland and I moved online and here we are. 
And how long did you have your clinics for in Hawaii? And how many did you have? There was more than one, it sounds like. Yeah, we had two locations and we had them for nine years. Nine years. Yeah. That's tough to say goodbye to that. It was. And there's there's an entire mourning period, I think, if you get to that place. Because again, like I talked about the pinnacle of the um, physical therapy world, I think the pinnacle of the Pilates world, at least for a long time, I think it's shifting now. But for a long time, it was owning your own studio. I mean, that was it. And for me, I almost, there was a lot of shame involved actually with selling and identity loss. Um, so I had a one-year-old, our daughter was one. And that was a big part of me feeling like I needed to sell. It's just personally, I wasn't doing either very well in my mind. Um, and we had moved to the mainland and I was trying to manage them from afar. And that was really hard. And so I just found myself not doing either really well. And they both deserved more. And so we said, you know, someone else is going to be able to do this better for the studios. But it took me a long time to get there. And I really did have to mourn losing them. And then once I did sell them, there was a big identity shift of now I'm I'm a mom and a mom only. We're in a new place. And how do I see people? What do I do? It really is every time I think you have to kind of decide, okay, you have to almost go back to what's your why and what are your long-term goals um, and your vision? because you can then mold your life around that, but it takes a lot of time to figure it out in any new transition, I think. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And it is a process and you do go through all of those feelings and the morning of, of what was. Um, and it's because so much of your identity is tied up in what you do and having a business like that so successful, it's a, definitely a shift for sure. I didn't even know what I was going to tell people at Pilates conferences. I'm like, okay, I've told them I own my own studio and now I don't even know what to say. I mean, there was a lot of little things like, gosh, what do I say now? <laughs> right. It's yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I, you know, that's, you're not the only person who's, who's shared that feeling. It's an interesting one for sure. So then you move back to California, I think, right? We went to California first and then now we're, yeah. And then to Colorado again. Yeah. And you decided not to open a studio, but to begin teaching online or to develop your own on-demand platform, right? Yep. And that it wasn't necessarily on purpose. So we, when I was still in Hawaii before we sold, one of our students said, I want to buy you a coffee and talk to you about something. So I sat down and she said, have you heard of blogs? I'm like, well, yeah, I've heard of them. I think, I think I know what that is. And she, it was kind of her area of expertise and she had looked at our business. She was a student of ours. And she said, I really think you could see a lot of growth in doing something like a blog and reaching to your clients in this different way. So I started playing with it a little bit. So that part, what, at least I knew a little, I guess, on the online world, but it was attached to the studios. We moved to California, we sold. And I, I think a big part of me, if the opportunity was there, I probably would have worked in clinics again or studios, but our daughter was one. We didn't know a soul in California, so we didn't have childcare or anything. And it just really wasn't a possibility at first. And I remember a client back in Hawaii reaching out and saying, what were those knee exercises you gave me for physical therapy? I just don't remember. And I thought, I don't know how to write stick figures for you and show you. And I'm like, but I bet I can put something on YouTube. And so I did. What year was that? 2000. I think if I look back on YouTube, my first video was 2013 or 2014, right in there. 
And they're awful. If you go back, you can look at my very first ones. I mean, everyone would say that, but they're so Everyone funny. says yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I would say that, you know, in seven years, I'll say that about now. It's just the way it is. Well, right. But I'm sure your client who you did that for found it incredibly valuable. Yeah. And it opened up a new world to me. And I had told my husband when we sold the studios, I wanted to take a small amount of money and do an online business training because I had no business background. Which again, I think most of us employees, that's why you're so unique in what you do and so valuable because you have a background that most of us, none, like we don't know anything. We don't even know how to invoice when it, when we start out. <laughs> I know it's, it's, yeah, it's not there in, in part of the training or anything. How are you supposed to know? Right? Exactly. And so I decided I was going to do Marie Forleo's B school. That was the commitment and what I wanted to buy for myself, which I highly recommend, um, finding some kind of online business training. There's a lot now, but that really helped me at least get some boundaries and some color and some idea around what an online offering might look like. Because in physical therapy, especially, we are not told about anything we can do online. I mean, that is an online or in-person profession. And then Pilates at the time really is too. I mean, there was very little 10 years ago about what we could do online. So I had some ideas, but I really needed a lot of help um, fleshing that out. And it took a lot of experimentation on what people might spend money on and what they might not. And what does my voice feel like online? Because it's very different than my voice was in my in-person studios and taking insurance. I mean, a lot of things had to kind of adjust for that online presence. Right, right. And, you know, your focus now is, is mostly in the women's health arena. And you talk about a lot of things that people don't really talk about, which I think is one of the, one of the most amazing things about what you do right now. And I, I know that a lot of people find that refreshing and helpful and valuable because how else are we supposed to get this information if no one's talking about it, right? So... Tell me a little about how that journey came about, because I, I'm fairly certain that was that was pretty intentional on your part, right? I would say yes, yes and no, both. So same, if you had asked me at the beginning of my physical therapy career, I wanted nothing to do with women's health. I mean, zero. I Interesting. Nothing yeah. to do with it. I wanted to work with head injuries and orthopedic injuries. And, and then I was diagnosed with endometriosis in 2008 five-ish. And then, um, and yeah, everyone can go find, like Saran said, I, I don't hold anything back. You can go to all my stuff and find everything, but I experienced severe prolapse, um, infertility, IVF, kind of all of it. And I think, I think probably looking back, part of my healing journey has been talking about it. Um, and so I realized that I had information simply because I'd been through it, that a lot of women hadn't and things that I wanted to find online, I never could, but I could provide for others because they're especially prolapse and things like in IVF. It's really scary when you're in the midst of it. And it's hard to find positive, hopeful information online. There's a lot of scary stuff online. So um, I think I kind of fell into it and also realized this is who's coming to me. Like that was a big thing to realize, you know what? I, yes, Pilates benefits everybody. Absolutely. We all know it. But in trying to talk to everybody online, you end up talking to nobody because you're just one of the voices versus that idea of niching down and finding who you're talking to. I really realized the people who are coming to me are the ones who need help in this area. So I need to embrace that. And that's 
And that it was kind of twofold in that way that I got thrown into it simply because of my experience, but also realized that's what I have to talk about. And that's who's coming to hear me talk. Right. And it's knowing that you are approaching it from the perspective of both someone who's been through it and been through so much, but also with your background and your knowledge and your experience that's all the more valuable because you know you can you can find a lot online that's one or the other but both is 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 relatively relatively unique and relatively hard to find so i know that for so many who find you how valuable it is to have to hear you and to learn from you and to and to hear you share your experience about what's possible and what isn't and that there is hope and that you can you know you can help there is way there are people who can help and there are ways to move move through that and come out the other side and feel good right yeah Yeah, exactly. I want people to feel empowered and to not feel like their life is over when they, any kind of diagnosis that you receive or anything that happens. I mean, we've all been through a lot over the past year and there's always going to be somebody who's been through something similar. Like you're not alone, even though it feels like you are a lot. Right. And that time brings me nicely to what I would like to talk a little bit about with you, which is as you kind of developed your online platform, which you've grown and your, your YouTube channel, which has been hugely successful. You also made the decision to do something not online, (laughs) (laughs) right. And to bring people together through Momentum Fest, which is a three day Pilates celebration and movement celebration event that is coming up at the end of June. Um, and has, has taken place uh, for the last three to four years. Is that right? This will be our fourth. If you count 2020, this is our fourth. Right, right, right. <laughs> I wasn't sure which way, we, whether we count that or not. But <laughs> we might as well. We might as well. Four yep, 2020. Yeah. Yep. So tell me a little bit about how that came to be and, and why you decided to to kind of take on that relatively large endeavor because it's not simple or easy to to put something together like that. Yep. It's so ultimately it's because I think it's something that I wanted for myself. So it's like you said, it's a three day in-person event and it was always meant to be in person. That's how it was developed. Um, I had gone to a similar event in the yoga world years before, and I came home so happy and just exhausted and sweaty. And it was amazing. And I remember saying to my husband, why there's nothing like this in the Pilates world. Like we have nothing like this where, students can go like anyone is welcome. It's not just teachers and where you move the whole time. You're not sitting, taking notes and you're actually moving and exposed to so many different things. And, you know, I had come through my Pilates life for the past 20 years of that idea that you meet someone. And the first thing you say is what your lineage is. I mean, that's right. right? That's how we introduce ourselves. And I, I didn't ever have that background of a big lineage. Um, I mean, I'm Polestar trained, which I am so proud of and I absolutely love, but I didn't have this list of a lineage like a lot of people do. And I had always felt um, a little bit less than because of that. And I didn't want other people to feel that. I wanted us to just look each other in the eyes and say, hey, what's your name? This is my name. Let's move next to each other. And where do you live and who do you teach? And then maybe later on, we talk about all that other stuff, but we come at it as humans. Like I'm a human talking to another human. And so we decided to do it. I was eight months pregnant with our second child. So I don't know what made us do it at the time, (laughs) except like I remember the moment I was walking around a lake in Denver 
And um, I called my husband. I said, I think now's the time. Like we had just moved back to Denver and Denver's a great Pilates centric kind of place. And I really felt like the industry needed it a little bit. There was a lot going on. And I'm like, I just want to come together with people I love and I want to move and I want to have fun. Like ultimately that's what it is. And I'm not finding that anywhere else. And probably being online, I missed it a little. Like I feel that especially now it's interesting talking about why I needed it. Cause now after the past year, I'm like, I really need it. Oh, I've been hearing that a lot. Yeah. I'm hearing that a lot. It, it's, it is a challenge to be only online. You know, you get so much creativity and energy from seeing people in person and really being able to engage and interact. And, you know, for a lot of teachers, it's also about hands-on cueing and seeing the whole, being able to move around and see people from different angles to make sure that they're using the right part of their body to do the thing. (laughs) So there's, it's so, it's been exhausting. And I think for so many, just purely teaching online and, and for you with the platform that you developed, you know, a lot of it wasn't, you weren't necessarily teaching via zoom online. There was a lot you were teaching to a camera and uploading. So it was even almost even, you know, even less engagement there. So I am not surprised that you felt like you wanted to have a, have a party. Yes. That <laughs> is exactly what it is. <laughs> I wanted a big movement Pilates party. You're exactly right. Cause I'm like, I love parties, but I love to move. And oh my gosh, I love to sweat and I love loud music and fun music. And that was missing I guess that's what it is to me. Movement and Pilates was always a very visceral experience. Like I felt it in my bones. It was part of my identity and we need CECs desperately. We need to learn, but breaking it down constantly into that part of my brain. um, Over the years, I felt like I had lost the touch perspective of it. Like what moves me literally body, mind, and soul. What moves me about this? Um, and bringing in TRX and Zumba this year and all of these different movement modalities will remind us what our bodies can do, which I think really translates into, like you said, we can be a better teacher. We can be a better business owner. We can be a better mom. I mean, sometimes I just leave wanting to be a better community member um, by being exposed to so many different things that I feel like I hadn't been exposed to in that traditional Pilates world that I had been in. Right. Tell me a little bit about what the event looks like and what you're looking to, what the experience is that you're looking for the attendees and the people who can come and and join, whether that's in person or online, what that looks like and what you want for them. So this year is a little different. It's like I said, it was always meant to be in person and then 2020 happened and we canceled and we went online. So this year we're offering both Um, and you can buy a ticket to either an in-person event because we were allowed to have it and we felt like we can do it really safely this year. And we had a lot of people who want it, like you said, they're ready to come. They have that virtual fatigue. Um, and we had this space, so we're doing it in person, but then also we wanted to honor those who couldn't come. We have presenters internationally who still can't travel and people who aren't comfortable. And then a lot of people who are actually just desperately trying to keep their studio alive and can't leave and not teach for three days. So we felt it was an important time to honor both. So we do have both and they're separate platforms. So if you buy a ticket like to virtual, it's not just a live stream of our live classes. It's actually an entire awesome different presenter lineup and all of that. So what will happen logistically is you buy a ticket and then you get to choose from over 60 classes that happen all weekend. And they're happening at the same time, um, like three at a time. So you just pick every hour and it is a one hour movement session 
with some awesome non-movement sessions too. Like Andrea Mitchell is t- um, doing a collage and breath work. So she's combining like art therapy with breath work. I mean, things like that. We're doing awesome workshops on recreating and finding your energy from the past year that you might've lost and about empathy and all of those things. So you can find both and you can choose any that you want throughout the three days. And there's amazing exhibitors and you'll get discounts and in-person balanced body will be there. So we do reformer and chair classes too. So it's a lot of what you might expect and then a lot of things you might not, but um, it is, it's just fun and it's looking each other in the eye and laughing a lot and probably releasing some emotions, probably some tears and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you have designed the experience, especially this year and and other years also, I'm sure, with a particular feeling that you want your attendees to have and bringing people together to share what they've been through in this last year and to, like you say, perhaps work through and perhaps work out of some of the exhaustion and the trauma and the experiences and the challenges that everyone has faced and is continuing to face in a lot of cases too. So as you're picking and thinking about which topics you want to to include, what are you looking for and how do you decide? Because I'm sure there is, I mean, there's so many different avenues you can go and, and I'm sure you've been very thoughtful about all of that. So this year, again, I will probably say this all year, this year is a little different because of last year. (laughs) So again, in, in the real world, typically we have presenters apply, we have a big application process that happens nine months beforehand. So what we did though, for this year, all presenters from 2020 were invited back for 2021. So we went online, but we really felt like we wanted to honor all those presenters and get them back. And then we also extended some invitations to other people that we thought would really be helpful with what our community needed um, right now with everything that's happened over the past year, not only with the pandemic and things shutting down, but also with social justice and things that have come to light in our industry. So we really wanted to bring in things that would touch on all that. Then once we had our presenters set, um, we have them submit class ideas. And so from that, we kind of go through and we just want a really well-rounded, like uh, we look for things that are different. Like, so Lori Ship is doing a class on virtual called two by four, and it's literally using a two by four yep. to do a Pilates mat class at home. I'm like, how awesome. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can all use something, even if it's a phone book that uses a two by four, but like something super creative in that way. Martin Reed is doing TRX, but also all about the Pilates pushup. So sometimes we really hone in on one exercise in person. Leslie Logan is doing a class called if walls could talk. So it's actually using the wall. So I think people were really creative about what we've gone through over the last year and using things at home. And then, yeah, Michelle Sims is doing Zumba because how can you not, if somebody can teach Zumba, how can you not add that? Like, how can you <laughs> right. not do that? It's amazing. So it's fun. awesome. So fun. Yeah. And then Jason Williams brings in Reiki and meditation and adds it to a bar class. So a lot of it is really what I always tell people. And one thing I love about Momentum Fest is being able to bring people up who haven't had a platform before names. Maybe you don't know names from outside the Pilates world who are doing amazing things, who are doing really creative, cool things in their communities. I mean, it's not about people with the biggest social media following at all. It's not about the names that you've seen at every Pilates conference necessarily. It's people just doing some really awesome, cool things that we get to lift up and give a platform to. 
So that's probably my favorite part about it. It's just bringing people in and then helping them be like they're most passionate. That's what I tell them. I'm like, what are you the most passionate about? And you're going to teach on that because whatever lights you up is going to light up other people. So let's just, let's just do that. Well, and that that's one of the most wonderful things about this is that you are, it, it you're coming at it with the mindset of there is room for everyone and everyone has a voice and a place and deserves to be a part of this and a part of this industry, right? It's so important. And that, and everyone deserves to be a part of the community and everyone is a part of the community and it doesn't matter how long you've been teaching or what, like you said, which lineage you come from, you know, we're all human to human. We're all in this, right. In this world together. And we need to find a way to, to be together and to, and to enjoy it and have fun and to, you know, make that, maybe make that the priority, right? Yes. Yeah. I think you said that perfectly. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a voice like an attendee, volunteers, everybody has a voice and we're going to sit at the same table and, and work it out. That's yeah. What we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you know, we, community is so important to this event and it's one of the reasons why you, you, you designed it that way. You created it. The purpose of it is to bring people together and, and, and for, you know, for the purpose of joy and movement. So how do you create that sense of community in your event, because I know that there's a lot of other events where you don't have that perhaps same feeling of community. And I know that it's so important to you. So how do, you know, what does sort of community look like to you at your event and outside of your event? And then how do you kind of go about creating that and, and bringing people in? That is a great question. And I think it is hard. Um, like one thing that hit me leading up to this event, deciding if we were going to even attempt to do an in-person event, because right now it feels okay. I mean, with everything happening in the world and th- things opening up um, in our country, I should say, I know things are really hard in the world. In our country with things opening up, it does feel safe. But six months ago when we had to decide, it was really, we just weren't sure. And I remember specifically sitting thinking it would be easier if we just don't. Like It would just be easier if we don't do in-person, if we don't attempt it, And we just go virtual again and tell everyone from last year who deferred, sorry, we just have to do virtual again. Like for sure, my husband's like, that would be easier for you. I'm like, yeah, it it for sure would. But but I think one reason it would be easier is because it does feel easier right now to sit here in my basement behind closed doors, like behind a screen, because that's what we've done for a year. And there's something that feels easier about it, but that's not the world I believe in for myself and my kids. Like I am a better everything. I mean, I went and drove to the grocery store one day months ago, first time in maybe a year. (laughs) And I remember being in the sun driving and all decisions felt easier. Like everything felt easier because I was in my car driving in the sun. I'm like, this is it. Like, this is what we're supposed to do as humans. And I think this time has been awesome to teach us boundaries and what maybe we don't want in our life. Like, I don't want all the busyness back. I don't want to be on the highway. I know travel's going to look different, but I personally need people. And so this year, I think we committed to it for those people who needed that too. So that was one step towards community. And then I think developing it, a big part is just at the event itself, looking people in the eye you know, this year might be different, but in the past years, I would just hug everyone I met for the first time. If they were a hugger, I am. And it's just, (laughs) I think making sure everybody feels seen and welcome. 
Like, that's it. Look them in the badge. You know, what's your name? Oh, I remember. Yeah. From online. And I think that's it. Just being a really big part of it, of every facet so that people feel seen and important and welcome and that everybody takes up the same amount of space and you're allowed to take up that space. Right. And that is something that because you are so passionate about that message and that being a part of this event, it happens probably very naturally at the event. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it allows other people to do the same. Like that's what I see. And when people come, they really, we even had some people in the past, you know, very kind of shy, their first event like that. And I remember one girl I talked to in the elevator and I could tell she was really shy. And she's like, I'm going back up to my room. I just need some downtime. Like, I totally get it. This is a lot. <laughs> she's like, but just, but just thank you. I came to see one specific instructor who's always made me feel very welcome. And I didn't expect to get anything else out of this. And everyone has been so welcoming. And I'm like, thank that is the biggest compliment that you could give about this event. It's just that people feel welcome. That's fantastic. So I want to just have, I have a couple of questions for you, just because I know, you know, you've been through a journey, you know, to get here right in this world. And I know that you've built studios, you've sold studios, you've built an online platform, and and now you have, you know, a large event that you host every year. So I kind of want to know though, what has been perhaps the, the biggest challenge or the hardest part in that whole journey that you have found to be sort of the biggest challenge for you? I think, and I don't know which piece of this, I guess I could say comparing myself to others because that wraps itself up in, okay, maybe I shouldn't sell because no one else is because I should be a studio owner. And um, anytime I feel bad about like being really guilty about being a bad mom because I didn't go to the grocery store. I ordered groceries today. You know, I'm so then I'm comparing myself to other moms I see online and I compare myself to people doing awesome things on social media and then traveling to do workshops. And I'm like, why don't I travel? Oh yeah, because my priority is just different right now. It's a different I'm in a different season of life. So I think that probably all wraps up in honestly just comparing myself to others. And when I really sit and put myself on my journey, what is what is my journey, then it all falls into place. But I think it's important to keep your eyes on what your journey is because it's going to be different than everybody else's. Oh, 100%. 100%. And so how do you do that? <laughs> how do you do that? Because like, I, like I, you know what I mean? So there's, yeah. it's, because it's, because it's, so, it's, it's, it's a habit. Like you're not, you don't, you don't do it once and you're like, okay, no, I'm good forever. You, you kind of, it's, it's, you have, you get pulled in different directions by things that you don't expect. And coming back to what you, what's right for you is often hard because it often means stopping doing something else or stopping following someone else or stopping doing something that you think might have worked well for someone else. And there's a lot tied up in all of that. So do you have a habit? So how do you kind of come back to that? Or how do you, how do you stop yourself from going down that path when it's, you know, you're kind of there? It's super hard. So one thing is like, I decided a long time ago, I never thought I'd be the mom who stayed home. Like I wanted to be the 40 hour a week mom, have permanent childcare. And then our daughter came and I realized, oh, that's actually not what I want to do. And that was a big eye opener for me to realize, don't put yourself in a box, really ask what you want and be ready to own it. Like whatever it is, decide maybe what, 
one or two of your biggest things? What do you want your life to look like? Like, is it having flexibility to travel? Is it teaching other people? Is it having a studio? Like what's one overarching thing? And for me, it was being present for my kids like that. As soon as she came, I'm like, oh, wow, I had no idea this was going to be it for me. And so it is, especially at least with them at this age. And that could change. So I have to be open to that changing. But right now, when I compare myself, especially to some colleagues doing like just amazing, awesome things, I'm like, I should do that. I should do that. And I step back and I say, no, but what is your overarching thing? Oh, yeah, it's putting them to bed every night. And if you did what they're doing, you wouldn't do that. And so that's not your journey right now, Jessica, because you're, you decided what your number one overarching thing is. So that's, I really have to talk myself through it and back myself out of it. Um, and then a little thing right now, I need to get off social media as much. That's my little, that's, and I mean, when your job is there, my job is there, but I realized like, I'll get on and look at stories and it hit me last night. I'm like, I don't know that person. I have no idea who they are. I mean, they're just in my stores now. And I'm learning all about her journey with sleep training her six month old. I don't have a six month old. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I'm spending a half hour doing that when it really actually just makes me feel bad kind of about myself. And I, anyway, I think just being super self aware of that's the other yeah. piece. I, yeah. I, I don't need to be doing that. Yeah. It's okay. No. I, it's okay to step away from those things. Yes. Yes, it is. And that's hard too. Super hard. It's designed to not let you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In all the ways. Yeah. I was just reading about kids' TV shows yesterday and how they, with the bright colors and everything, they're designed to keep kids pulled in. And that's why your kids have meltdowns after you pull them away from it. And I'm like, you're exactly right. That's what social media does with the likes. I mean, it is absolutely designed to keep us there. Yeah. And that's probably a whole other podcast thing, but I I just have to, yeah, I have, I have to be there for work, but how can I make it the best experience um, so that I don't get pulled in that rabbit hole? It's a hard one. It is a hard one. Yeah. And as a business owner, you have, there's an awareness that you kind of have to have about all of this. Like really that's what that, you know, the challenge is really to be very self-aware for what you want for you and how you yes. can set boundaries on these things that end up might might end up pulling you in a direction that isn't helpful to you and what you want. Exactly. You have to be so self-aware. So self-aware. And I think be willing to, I read this recently and it really helped me, be willing to leave things unfinished. Um, that is not good for me. I mean, just my personality, I'm full circle. I'm going to finish it by golly. But she was talking about, you know, if you start something in business or anything, you know, if you have a commitment, obviously finish your commitment. But if you get halfway done with what you think is this new product that you want to sell online and you realize you are just not feeling passionate about it, it's not you, it's not your voice. It's okay to leave it behind and move to something else. And that was important for me to realize because I, I really hadn't thought about anything that way before. I'm like, it's true. You can walk away. You, There's no shame ever in walking away if it's not your path and you thought it was. Walk away and get yourself right back on your path. Right. Absolutely. And I think that there's often a lot of pressure to do big things always. Bigger things, big things, go for more, be more, grow bigger, right? And it's not about that. It's about doing what makes you, what fulfills you. And I think in, especially in what in this world, in this industry where 
you know, a lot of the reasons why we do what we do is because we love the method. We love to teach. We love helping people. It doesn't have to be about having the biggest anything or the most anything. It's about really you have the ability to design your whole your business and how you go about doing what you do in a way that really just fulfills you. And I think that should be the goal. And that is so unique to you. I agree. And then opportunities will present themselves that maybe you never saw coming, but they will because you're, like you said, you're doing what you want to do. And those opportunities will feel more in line with who you are. Right. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I could talk for a lot longer about all sorts of different things. We didn't touch on, we didn't touch on so many things. So (laughs) I I hope that we get to do this again soon, but thank you so much for sharing with us today. So why don't you tell us real quick where everyone can go to learn more about you and Momentum Fest and to find you online. Sure. Um, So yeah, Momentum Fest, if you're listening to this soon, it's June 25th through 27th. And you can go to MomentumFest.com and get tickets online or in person. And both are worth 16 CECs that are approved as well. So definitely worth checking out. And then for me, I'm Jessica Vallant Pilates everywhere. Instagram, YouTube, my website, Facebook. Awesome stuff. I will pop that in the show notes as well that go along with this episode so everyone can get linked to you. But again, thanks so much, Jessica, for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Did you love this episode and want more? Head to spring3.com and check out my free resources that will help you run a profitable and fulfilling studio business. And before you go, one last reminder. There is no one way to do what you do, only your way. So whatever it is that you want to do, create or offer, you've got this. Thanks again for joining me today and have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm